Wonderful. Colossians chapter 4. We'll look at verses 2 through 6 this morning. Right about one, page 1,352, I believe, if you're using the Bible under that seat in front of you. Colossians chapter 4. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful letter that touches us on so many different levels. Lord, how you give us profound truth and yet practical truth to live out day by day. Lord, I pray that you would remind us as your people of the responsibility that we all have to share you, to tell others about you. And I pray, Lord, that we would be fruitful in that. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so wonderfully blessed as Christians. Are we blessed as Christians? Our eyes have been opened to God's truth. We know there's a God. We know that he made all things, that he loves us. We know what's wrong with the world. We know what the problem is. We know that the human race is a sinful human race. We live in a fallen world. Our eyes have been opened. We see that. And we've been shown the solution to the sin problem, that God, in his love, sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And we've placed our faith and trust in him. We're forgiven. We're children in the family of God. We enjoy his peace, his joy, his love, his presence with us. We're so blessed in so many ways. Question, do you want others to know that blessing? Do you want others? Do you want other people to find salvation In Jesus Christ, your family members, your friends, your co-workers, are you telling them? Or are you keeping all of that wonderful blessing to yourself? I hope not. Christianity is not meant to be hidden. You were not saved just to keep all the blessing to yourself. We're to be witnesses. And we're to be very effective. And this passage this morning, I'll tell you, it teaches us how to be effective witnesses for Christ on a day-by-day basis. Let's read through it. Look at verse 2. Paul speaking to Christians, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door For the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. That I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul says to Christians, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace Seasoned with salt, 
that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Please notice with me first the great importance of prayer in the life of every single Christian. If you are to be an effective witness for Jesus, then you have got to be effective in prayer. Your prayer life. Paul says in verse 2, continue earnestly in prayer. Be steadfast in prayer. Be consistent. Let it be your steadfast devotion. We are to pray regularly. Every day and throughout every day. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says, Pray without ceasing. Romans chapter 12, continue steadfastly in prayer. So we are to pray regularly. And I would encourage you to have formal times of prayer in your life every day. Maybe a formal time where you you sit down, you get before the Lord, you bow your head, you close your eyes, and you pray every morning. Maybe also have a formal time of prayer right before bed. You pray before you go to bed. Have a couple times where you're, you're focused on prayer. And then keep that prayer. Keep that daily conversation and dialogue with your Lord all day long. Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? That means you, you live in a constant awareness of God's presence with you. Prayer is the atmosphere in which you live. It's like you're breathing spiritually. You're constantly having a dialogue with the Lord. You know, in the Old Testament, the priests, they would go inside the temple every morning and they would light incense on the altar of incense and it would just smell and burn and fill the temple with that fragrance. Had to do it every morning. They also had to come in and do it every night. And then they would carry that fragrance with them throughout the day. I think that's a great illustration of what our prayer life should be like. Pray in the morning, pray at night, have those formal times, and then carry the fragrance with you. Everywhere you go. Paul says, continue earnestly in prayer. He also says in verse 2, be vigilant. In prayer. Greek word that means to be awake. Certainly you got to be awake when you pray, right? And don't ever pick times to pray formally when you're tired. Pick times when you're awake. You know, it can be easy sometimes to to fall asleep when you pray. Be careful. You want to set aside quality time for that. Even the best of them can fall asleep. You remember how the disciples fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane? When Jesus told them three times, watch and pray. And what did those spiritual giants do? They fell asleep. Pick times to pray when you're actively engaged in it. 
And really, the main meaning of this word to be vigilant is to be alert in what you're praying. Be watchful. In other words, as you're living life day by day as a Christian, you're seeing things and you're alerted to it and you pray for it. You're watchful in prayer. Another way to think about it is as you're asking God for things in prayer, if you make prayer requests, if you say, God, show me these things, then live the day looking for those answers. Be alert. Are you praying something? Look for it. Be watchful for it. Expect it. You know, there's a story in Acts chapter 12 where Peter, he's imprisoned by Herod. And they're going to execute Peter the next day. He's in prison. And so the church calls an emergency prayer meeting at John Mark's mom's house. Imagine the whole church gathers in this house. And they begin praying for Peter. Peter's miraculously sprung from jail. He walks to the house where they're praying. He knocks on the door. The servant girl opens the door. Her name's Rhoda. She sees Peter, can't believe it's Peter, shuts the door on him, (laughs) runs back in to the middle of the prayer meeting where everyone's been praying for the release of Peter. And she says, Peter's outside. And everyone who's been praying for Peter says, you're nuts. Not possible. And then they go down and they see. And they're astonished. Let me ask you. Do you believe what you pray? Do you believe that God hears? Do you look for it? Are you alert? Are you vigilant? Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. One of the biggest parts of prayer, and it's often neglected by us as Christians, is thanksgiving. Remember to say thanks. God answers prayer. Thank him. Dads, we all taught our kids to say please and thank you, I hope, right? Let's be sure to tell our Heavenly Father thank you. So you see, there's this whole atmosphere of prayer in which you live. There's formal, there's informal You're having a constant dialogue with your Heavenly Father. You're mindful. You're vigilant. You're looking. And you're thankful when he answers. We need to be praying like that. Notice some of the things that we should be praying for regularly. Notice what Paul asked prayer for. Verse 3. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door... For the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. Now, look what Paul asked for in prayer. To the church in Colossae and to other churches that he wrote to, he would say, pray that God would open doors for me to share Christ. That was Paul's constant prayer request. And then he also said, and pray 
that when God opens doors for me to share Christ, that I would do so clearly, that I would make the gospel message manifest, plain, easy to understand. That is an amazing prayer request from Paul, because remember, when he writes this letter, he's a prisoner. He's in a jail. He's in chains. I would think he might be asking for people to pray that God would spring him from prison like he did Peter. Get me out of these chains. Pray for my hardship that I'm going through. But Paul didn't pray for that. His passion, his main passion was, whether in prison or not, open doors. Open doors. Give me opportunities. To share the gospel. And give me power and the ability, pray, that I would be able to make it clear. Man. Big part of his prayer life. So certainly as we pray day by day, my brother and sister in Christ, we should pray for Christian leaders. We should pray for evangelists and missionaries and pastors that God would open doors for them. That they would walk through those open doors. And then that they would speak clearly. And we should be praying about that regularly. But I want to challenge you this morning. Pray that for yourself. What would happen if every morning. You woke up. And said God. Open doors for me today. To share the gospel. And Lord, when those doors open, help me to share it with absolute clarity and power. Help me to make it manifest. Pray that. God wants to use you. Make that a part of your consistent daily prayer discipline where, Lord, give me opportunities. Help me to see... Pray for the people that you work with. Pray for your neighbors. It's been said you can't effectively you can't effectively talk to people about God until you've talked to God about those people. Lift them up in prayer. Pray for them. I'll tell you what. If you do that, you will be primed. For evangelism. Absolutely primed for it. You're looking. You're watchful. You're alert. You're praying for opportunities. You see the opportunities. You're sensitive to them. You want to be an effective witness? Pray like that. Ask God to give you that passion for the lost. Now, some of you, maybe you've been Christians for many, many years. Maybe you've known the Lord for a long time, but you really have sort of kept that hidden in your life. Why? Are there certain people that you're, you're afraid to show that before? You say, well, I'd like to be able to do that. Pray. Pray like this. Pray for people. See what that won't do to your attitude. 
And remember, when you're praying to share, you're praying for God's supernatural ability to share. And he'll supernaturally use you. Maybe you're here, you've been a Christian for many years, and and earlier on you were more excited about sharing your faith with the Lord Jesus Christ. It used to be something that you would do, but you've sort of walked away from that. My prayer for you is that you would start to pray like this again. And let God use you. Let him make you sensitive to that. So you want to be an effective witness this? You have to be effective in prayer. And then you have to be effective in lifestyle, the way you live your life. Verse 5 is such an important verse. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Now you remember this term walk. It speaks of the way you're living life Day by day by day. It's speaking the way you interact with people every day. It's speaking of all your daily responsibilities. It's speaking of the way you live on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Your day-to-day routine, how you walk through life. As Christians were to walk, live life daily in wisdom towards those who are outside... Who's on the outside? Those who are outside the church. Those who are outside the faith. Non-believing community. The non-believers that you see and know and work with. Daily, day by day, the way you consistently walk in wisdom towards them. Now, how do you walk in wisdom towards the non-believers in our lives? Interesting, the Greek word for wisdom is Sophia. It doesn't speak of being having all the knowledge. That's gnosis in the Greek, having this big knowledge bank, although we should all work for that. Sophia is more skill. The application of knowledge. And the skill with which you use that in your day-to-day life activity. It's all tied to this thought of daily action. So if you're a born-again Christian, you know the Lord. And hopefully you are learning what he wants you to do in his word. You're getting that knowledge You're applying that every day to every area of your life, and you live that in front of the non-believing community. In other words, you want to be an effective witness? Live differently. Live radically more differently than people in the world. In fact, didn't Jesus tell us in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the salt of the earth. You're to be salty in a world that's rotting. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine. So you're to be different and not just sort of different, like totally different, like 
light, dark, different. Just live different. Every day, in all of your day-to-day activity, in all of your interaction with the non-believing community. That's I'll tell you what, all you need to do to stand out is live in consistency with the truths of the Christian faith, and you will stand out. If you're a born-again Christian, you will treat people differently. You'll be gracious and kind and patient and loving towards people. You'll work with integrity. You'll be responsible. You'll be really good at what you do, and you'll be reliable. You'll be absolutely reliable and hardworking in the eyes of the non-believing community. You will have a good attitude at work with all people. You will be humble before people. Christians will have marriages and families that are giant examples to the rest of the folks. Just completely different. Your priorities are right. You will live a moral life. You will not participate in all of the worldly sins. You will react to hardships and tough times differently. Living the Christian life is not a perfect, easy life. We all go through hard times. But the world will watch Christians go through hard times differently. Differently. I believe as Christians, we have the shine of God upon us, the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us. There should be a joy and a peace And a life that shines in and through you. And people see it. They see it. You ask the Lord to help you live the way you know a Christian should live. If you're a true born-again Christian, you know what needs to be going on in your life. Live it. Just live it right there in front of people. Walk in wisdom. Do that. Now, here's something that you should avoid if you want to share Christ with non-believers at work or in, in that community. Don't be preachy. Don't be judgmental. Don't be condescending and don't be arrogant. Don't expect non-believers to uphold the same standards that you have as a believer. They're non-believers. Don't run around pointing out everybody's fault. Don't be ugly. Don't come across as a biblical know-it-all, a Bible thumper. You be kind to people, respectful to people. Don't be an ugly Christian witness that turns people off. And be so careful as you're you're interacting with the world. Don't, Don't be known, don't be so political that you're ugly about your stance or about whatever the issues might be in the day and you're, oh man, you're just, it's us against them and you let every, you know, you will, You will alienate more than half the people in your life whom you could be sharing Christ with. 
Don't be the one that says don't do. Be the one who lives differently. You know, when I was working as an engineer, um, the Lord used me in, in wonderful ways. I led many, many co-workers to Christ at different jobs. And I loved to do it. And you know what my strategy was at work? Be respectful. Work hard. Be kind to people. And you know what a big part of my strategy was at work? Simply this. Don't cuss. Just don't cuss. Don't be a part of the dirty jokes. Now, I wouldn't run around the office telling people, you, you quit cussing. <laughs> I just didn't cuss. Just that little detail in life, Terry Gray is different. And you know what else I didn't do? I didn't go to their happy hours. I just didn't participate. People would ask, I'd say, oh, I'm, just, I'm not into that. I do something. No judgmental way. I was just different. And you know what? People pick up on that. Before long, people would say a cuss word and they go, oh, I'm sorry, Terry. I didn't mean to hurt you. <laughs> people pick up on it. And you know what happens? They'll come to you with life questions. They'll be attracted to the light of Jesus Christ in and through you. And that was all I did. And I had so many opportunities. I led one of my co-workers to Christ while we were on a ski lift. As our company had gone skiing one time. And I'd earned the right over many months, even a couple years, to share Christ with this guy. The same can be done in and through your life. Look what it says in verse 5. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Now, I love that. That's literally buying up the time. It's literally buying up the opportunities. So you're living for Christ day by day, shining day by day. People will take notice. They'll ask you what makes you tick. The opportunity presents itself. Buy it. Walk through that door that's just opened. It's been said, God has to open the door, but we need the boldness to speak about Christ when the door opens. If we bash in the door without God's opening it, the message probably will not be well received. But if God opens the door and we don't go through it, then the opportunity's lost. Redeem the time. Share the truth. Be effective in your prayer life. Be effective in your lifestyle. And then be effective in your conversation. And your verbal communication. Verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So this is the most, when you, 
get that opportunity to share. You have to speak. It says right there that we need to know how to answer each one. 1 Peter 3, verse 15, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. That's not just for pastors or missionaries. That's for all Christians. We need to be able to share. So you have the opportunity to share. Somebody says, what makes you tick? You spend some time with them. And you share the gospel. And every single Christian should know how to share the gospel. In a very simple way. Have you thought about how you would lead someone to Christ? You know, I'll tell you, there, there's, there's four bullets. Four bullet points in an outline that you just need to keep in your mind when you're going to share God. Number one, there's a God who made all things and loves you. Number two, there's a problem. Mankind has sinned and fallen short from the glory of God and we're separated with God and because of sin there's so many hard things going on in this world and we're all sinners and we all fall short and in that bullet too you got to be prepared for the person that says well I'm better than other people yeah you might be better than other people but you're not perfect God demands perfection God is real God he loves you there's a problem bullet number three There's a solution. God sent his son Jesus who died on the cross for our sins and rose again the third day. He's a savior. Know how to elaborate on that as the conversation takes its different twists and turns. Number four, you must receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. So at that point, you should be able to perhaps even quote a Bible verse like John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Or John 1.12. But as many received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Receive him. Believe upon him. And you'll be saved. Know how to make those truths manifest. Clear. And remember, you're praying daily. God, help me make those truths manifest. Take them through the gospel. Tell them your story. Say, this is where I was going. This was what was going on in my life. Somebody shared the gospel. It changed my life. Let me share the gospel with you. And then as people come to Christ, stay with them. Encourage them. Invite them to church. Invite them to a Bible study. Stay with them and follow up. You have to know what you ought to speak. Verse 6 also says, let your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt. I love that. Every time you speak and when you're sharing the gospel, let it be with grace. With kindness and mercy. Let it be seasoned with salt. You know what that means? Be witty. 
be witty, be interesting, be relevant, speak where people are at, look for openings. You know, Jesus was a master at that, wasn't he? He meets the the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, and she's come out and she's going to dip the you know, get the water out of the well, and there he is. And he said, hey, get me, a, get me a, some water. And then, you know, they have that conversation, and then he says to her, well, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for water. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Whoever the drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. What an angle to the theologian, Nicodemus, who knows all the law. Nicky, you need to be born again. Makes him think. The parables that Jesus taught to communicate truth, so powerful. In a society that was dependent upon agriculture, he says, there was a sower sowing seed. And the seed fell on four types of soils. And four things happened. That's so awesome. Do you believe that God the Holy Spirit won't give you angles? Into people's life? Real creative. Let your conversation be salty. Let it be with grace. Ask God to use you in that, and he will certainly use you. Gang, we need effective witnesses right now, big time. We need it all the time, but I just feel like in these last days, man, we all need to be at our best. And I believe we're at a time right now in history where people are, are, there really are open. Jesus did say in Matthew chapter 9, the harvest truly is plentiful. It's there. Just waiting to be picked. But the laborers are few, he said. The laborers are few. Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists who ever lived, said this, the evangelistic harvest is always urgent. The destiny of men and of nations is always being decided every single day. Every generation is strategic. We are not responsible for the past generation, and we cannot bear full responsibility for the next one, but we do have our generation. And God will hold us responsible as to how well We fulfill our responsibilities to this age and take advantage of our opportunities as God opens doors. Do you see how this all goes together? Start with prayer. You're praying to see opportunities. And then you're praying that once you get those opportunities, you'll be clear. Then you go out and live for Jesus. The opportunities come. And you're more sensitive to them because you've been praying about it. And then when you have the opportunity to share, 
God will give you strength. Don't be afraid. Some of you say, well, what if they, if, if they say no? Does that mean they don't like me or I wasn't effective? No, listen, it is the responsibility of God to save people. You're just a messenger. And there's been many times where I've shared the gospel with someone and didn't lead them to Christ, but I believe every time I've planted a seed, every time, that possibly got watered many years down the line. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to take responsibility for this in our lives. I pray, Lord, that we would not be people who keep all these blessings hidden. Use us in daily living. Lord, shine through us in all the day-to-day details of life. And give us the courage and wisdom to know how to share. Lord, give your people a passion For the lost, so many all around us. Give us eyes like you have, a heart like you have. And then, Lord, I want to pray for anyone here this morning. who's not responded yet to the gospel. Perhaps you're at church. Maybe you come to church regularly, and, but you really haven't responded to that gospel message yet. You haven't met Christ. You haven't admitted your sinfulness before God who's holy. It's serious business, this sin that separates us from God. And so serious, in fact, that it costs a sacrifice that we can hardly comprehend. God became man and took our sin and died in our place. So you wouldn't have to be penalized. Have you received him? Are your sins forgiven? Have you become a child of God? You placed your faith and trust in him. I want you to have that opportunity right now. Do it right now. You say, Lord, Jesus, right now I receive you. I put my faith and my trust in you and you alone. Save me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Wash away all my sins. Make me a child in your family. A citizen of your kingdom. Fill me with your spirit. And make me a consistent, effective witness for you. 
In Jesus' name, amen.